It's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, senior NBA writer Sam Amick on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your NBA Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lee's Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEE's or online at leesheatac.com. Joining us now from The Athletic, our good friend Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you today? Doing great, Jake. How are you? Uh, couldn't be better. Um, jazz fans are, are a little uh, on edge, to say the least, Sam. The I was going to say, you probably that. could be better. What are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I try to keep it pretty even-keeled, though, Sam, especially when Gordon's you know, not here. I, I still have my nature to, to you, you know, stay grounded, because when you do a show with Gordon, as you know, uh, it, it, things get a little off the rails. No question. No question. It's uh, interesting to, to kind of even – talking off air to Austin to get a pulse of the local fair, um, you know, talented jazz team that, uh, you know, it's, it's early. It's easy for national folks like myself to say, oh, you got 60 games left, but when you have that kind of expectations they had coming into the year, you know, I could, I could definitely understand some of the, the local angst. Well, and I think you hit it right there, how the fans feel, Sam. And actually, Rudy had some comments in the post game last night as I was hosting the post game show, where Rudy said, he said, two, three years ago, you, you, the Jazz could lose and you, you chalk it up to your learning and it wasn't quite so, the urgency or the pain of it wasn't quite so much. And he said, this year, with the backdrop of the expectations that are out there, losses like last night to the Lakers are really, really hard in this stretch. You can tell, Sam, the team is mm, is is having some difficulty, and I think fans feel that, and, and fans uh, are, are having a tough time with it as well. It's funny because I get that. Um, I also think a big part of this, obviously, is that for a couple of years it was that, you know, what if – um, question of what if they were able to get another high-level piece. And so conceivably they went out and they got that guy, Mike Conley. And certainly nobody's tougher on himself than, you know, or Mike's tougher on himself than the fans could ever be on him. But, you know, he hasn't played the way I'm sure he wanted to. And he's talked earlier in the season about, you know, how personally he takes that. Uh, but it's like that, I think that hypothetical being – you know, conceivably fulfilled, if that makes sense, combined with struggling and with losses is why you have the angst because it's you, you can't really say that thing anymore about, well, they just need another piece. Like this was supposed to be the piece that got them into, you know, kind of Western Conference title contention, whatever you want to call it. So we'll see. Uh, the, I will say the thing about last night that makes for a, a, an interesting one from a reaction standpoint is that, I mean, because Mike was out, like in a vacuum, you can look at that game and say, well, of course they didn't beat the Lakers. The Lakers are 19-3, and and they were healthy, and the Jazz weren't. So, yeah, you're at home, but, you know, that's still a somewhat understandable loss. Um, you didn't just lose. You got mostly rolled. And, uh, and, and then, obviously, it's not in a vacuum. It's in the context of five losses in six games. 
Speaking of last night's game, no excuses for the Jazz. They're they're not playing particularly well. Uh, But the Lakers, uh, Sam, they're they're really good. It was fun watching them up close last night. And then you look back at at the Jazz road trip, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana, uh, Philadelphia. They're they're all really good and playing really well. But specifically with the Lakers, uh, it's it's clicking for them, Sam. They're not they don't have the adjustment period the Jazz are going through. Anthony Davis and LeBron are. Uh, appear to be a great pairing right off the bat. No, they look really good. Uh, in the coaching staff, you know, that's something I wrote about recently and how and how quickly narratives change, where in the summertime, the Lakers went after Ty Lue, LeBron's old coach in Cleveland, didn't get that deal done. They went after Monty Williams, who coached Anthony Davis in New Orleans, and Monty ends up going to Phoenix. And so when they hired Frank Vogel, and then followed that up by adding Jason Kidd to his staff. You know, as you know from that time, the narrative was, you know, two things. For one, that it was like you know, a compromise kind of settling type pick because they had swung and missed on two other guys. And then it was a, a, the kind of widespread assumption that Frank needed to watch his back because Jason Kidd would be the next Lakers coach. And so far, it's been the exact opposite. The players swear by Frank. Uh, they swear by the entire staff, the Jason Kidd, Phil Handy, Lionel Holland. And, you know, they've clicked with LeBron, with AD, and all these, you know, role players. I think people are still sleeping on the level of experience with the, the Lakers role, you know, cast with Danny Green and Rajon Rondo and Dwight Howard and, and even on down the line, guys like JaVale McGee who have, you know, won championships in the past, uh, even with a small role. So, it's all worked, and LeBron is certainly, like always, going to be the fulcrum of whatever team he's on, and his willingness to not only um, listen to the coaching staff to seem to be having a healthy dynamic on that front, but to play defense, which is a revelation from the last couple of years, something he's decided to do again. I mean, it's been impactful, and like he keeps saying on his social media, you know, this is the hashtag washed king you know the guy who he got something to prove and so far he's proven it it you know i i get it that it feels a a bit ridiculous at the beginning of december to talk about an mvp race but with that in mind who's the more surprising mvp candidate pascal siakam or luka Doncic? Uh, you said the the more what MVP candidate? More surprising, more because uh, I I think they both are. They're both playing at an incredible yeah, level, yeah. and I I guess I didn't anticipate Luca being this far this fast, and and Pascal might be a, a, a most improved player for the second year in a row. Yeah, I mean they're, they're both in the same neighborhood as far as level of surprise for me. I'll probably go with Luca just because you know you're talking about. I mean if he if I would have told you that he was gonna drop a 22-point triple-double average by this point in the season, you would have been surprised by that because even that in and of itself is <laughs> right. very impressive. You know, now we're talking a 30-point triple-double average. Like, that's insane. And in a, in a Mavericks team that is winning games in spite of the fact that Kristaps Porzingis has not been the star that they were hoping he would be when they got him in that trade, Um you know, that one I think takes the cake, but Siakam's right there. I mean, the Raptors, and I'm actually going out for that uh, Kawhi Leonard re- uh, reunion game on Wednesday next week in Toronto. I mean, they've been one of the stories of the season. You win that championship, you lose 
the arguably the best player in the game, Kawhi Leonard, and you're still rolling, and you know you're right there in the East, and you know I forget where they're at right now, but top three record in the NBA. Um, so Siakam, I don't remember a guy ever so quickly going from you know getting a, a max extension where people like people basically thought he deserved the max only based on markets, meaning that next summer it was fairly clear to people within the league that Siakam was going to get max money from somewhere. That's a different thing than people actually believing that you are a max player. I don't think most people believed that he yet was a max player. And then fast forward, like, you know, felt like three weeks from when he got the extension and he has been playing like a max player and then some ever since. I mean, his, you know, his numbers have been great, uh, you know, 25 and, and eight and four, I think in that neighborhood. So yeah, he's been fun to watch. You know, talking about Luca for a second, Sam, I think he's going to turn into one of those players that we automatic the, the conversation automatically comes up on who passed on him, right? Like Michael Jordan, we all we all talk about uh, Sam Bowie and you know Hakeem Olajuwon went ahead of him as well. Uh, you know, we 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 kind of uh, have those names etched into our brain, and I think Luca has the potential to be that guy. Where we look at at Phoenix, and and who knows what DeAndre Ayton turns into? But they had his Euro League coach. You know, they had hired his coach, and they still passed on him. And then you're right there in Sacramento, where Marvin Bagley. I know he's out. He might turn into a fine player, but they might be looking at it and going, "What were we thinking?" Not let alone Atlanta trading him. You you know who. Who out of that group do you think looks back at it and goes, oh, man, we really had a shot at greatness with that guy? Um, Good question. Let's see. Out of those three, you know, I would probably – it's hard. It's either Phoenix or Sacramento. Um, the Hawks still feel pretty good about the fact that they've – not pretty good. They love Trey Young. And the, the, the unfortunate thing for Trey is that – if you analyze him in a vacuum without the Luca context, you know, and this is not a, a, a you know, a, a high, hyperbolic statement, Trey Young is doing things at this age that Steph Curry never even sniffed, which is a crazy statement, but he's also not doing things that, you know, that Luka Doncic is doing. And that's why the optics are what they are. But Trey is a very, very good player. He's on his way. Uh, they need Cam Reddish to actually start figuring out how to play basketball again because Cam, if you remember, was the player that they got with the extra draft pick in that trade. So that's their saving grace has been that they got, you know, not one but two lottery picks uh, for the price of one, and then that's the price they paid for Luka. The jury's out on that. Um, but they at least have a pretty reasonable argument for why it made some sense at the time. The Kings and Suns, you know, the Suns can look at it and, and say that a lot of teams had Aiden as a number one pick, and that is true. But like you said, the personal tie-in with the coach, who, by the way, is uh, ironically enough now in Sacramento as one of Luke Walton's assistant coaches, uh, Igor Kokoskov. And so he, he's kind of seeing that from both sides. And, you know, the, with the Kings, it's like salt in the wound right now because Marvin Bagley's been hurt for quite some time. And it's just making the whole thing look worse. You know, they, they've won games recently, but they're still nowhere near the Mavericks level. And, you know, Bagley's not even out there. He was hurt a lot last year. And uh, and De'Aaron Fox is out too. And De'Aaron, you know, his elevation was supposed to be like the antidote to the Luka hype. Like as long as De'Aaron kept 
exciting their fans, then maybe they would forget about Luca. But that's not happening either because he's been out. Sam Amick from The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, tell us uh, about uh, this this shoe project you guys have been working on at The Athletic. So we, we do these things every once in a while just called blitzes where it's like a, a themed approach to coverage where, you know, we, we had one a couple of weeks ago when we, we tried to focus on the Phoenix market and write stories coming out of Arizona. Um, I need to convince them that we need a Utah blitz. It's definitely got to be on the docket at some point here. But the sneaker one is just trying to look at, you know, the sneaker game and, and that part of the, the league itself and the industry. Uh, and, you know, we, I think, have been sleeping on, like, the degree to which these players, I mean, this they live and die by this stuff. They obviously sign these, you know, shoe contracts that are, uh, you know, more than $100 million, and in some cases up, upwards of, you know, seven $800 million with the Kevin Durant of the world. So anything sneaker shoe related that you could come up with as far as an angle as a, an NBA writer at The Athletic was kind of the directive. And we had some really fun stories come out of that. I happened to write about Bagley and how when he was in India with the Kings during the preseason, he went out of his way to try to corner the market on – on the growing uh, kind of the Indian market. Um, so that was my angle. But, I mean, my favorite one out there that we've had was was uh, Dennis Schroeder of the Thunder and how, to this day, he still uh, takes pride in wearing Kevin Durant's Nike in Oklahoma City, which is something that Russell Westbrook used to give him a hard time for and the Thunder fans, I'm sure, don't love. But, but he just happens to love that sneaker. Uh, you know, we had a good piece today, Brett Dawson out of L.A., writing about Anthony Davis and how surprisingly he's never had his own signature shoe and kind of, you know, analyzing why and how big guys are not as marketable as wing players and, and his personality doesn't necessarily resonate like some of the other stars. So anything you could ever want to read about the, the way that the shoe game plays a part within the NBA, uh, you can find on our site right now. Um, I'm I'm not sure if this was part of the blitz. It doesn't sound like it. But on that kind of note, uh, how big a deal the the shoe industry is to these guys? Um, it, it was an under, I guess, emphasized part of the of the China story and the the difficulty. How much do you think those, you know, shoe companies were were sweating or still are sweating the fallout because the players and the companies themselves are making millions, if not billions, over there on a yearly basis? Yeah, I mean that part is uh, to be honest that is an angle we need to explore um it's more timely and and, you know more based in the news element it's it's i mean the word uncomfortable comes to mind because you have nba players who are normally pretty outspoken you know who got real quiet real quick because of these business arrangements that they had you know guys like cj mccollum clay thompson you know who are repped by the chinese shoe company anta Um, You know, LeBron, when he came out and said what he said, uh, essentially, you know, obviously was roundly panned by the folks in Hong Kong who were protesting for their freedoms over there. And and I thought it was a terrible look from LeBron. It was hard not to immediately wonder if his motive, you know, might not have been to to kind of up Nike's stock in China. Because honestly, the, the Chinese folks who are loyal to the government and what's happening there, uh, they, by all accounts, they loved it. So that's the other side of the shoe game where the, the, the contractual 
kind of obligations and, and the you know financial tie-ins that these guys have uh, certainly end up playing a part in, in their calculus. He is Sam Amick of The Athletic, your NBA Daily Assist, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, thanks for the wisdom as always. We'll catch you next week. You got it. Thanks, Jake. Be good. Thanks, Sam. You too. Sam Amick, uh, always a highlight of the week here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And I think uh, his perspective on the Utah Jazz is a good one, taking a little bit of a, a broader view of it and, you know, correctly point out that there is certainly a lot of basketball left to be played and plenty of time for them to uh, to figure out uh, what's going on. All right, well, more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.